Spoiler alert, Slashers Paradise encourages viewers to watch these horror films before listening to our show. Danny and Lance will go through everything, including filmmaking, dialogue, characters, and even full scene breakdowns when we get excited. Enjoy the show. All right. I don't want to scare anybody, but we're going to give it to you straight about Jason. His body was never found. But then we found it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Slashers Paradise. Today yeah. is the day. Friday the 13th, part two part dos dos el numero dos dos time to pick up the sequel and maybe find the identity of this franchise of friday the 13th well let me ask you something lance let me ask you personally okay if you made a lot of money would you want to make more of it i would love to make more money well there it is that's probably why they decided hey we chopped the head off of our main villain at the end of the first part we could still do a sequel this just goes to show you all you ambitious young filmmakers and 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 whatever out there (laughs) just because you chopped the head off of your you know character you can still come back and do a sequel if people want it so there you can always make a sequel to anything that's correct proves it right here you're right i mean uh the first one made from a $700,000 budget, mm-hmm. we made almost $60 million off of it. So it, it's a it's an automatic green light. And guess what? In August, they started filming the next one. So Goodness. Yeah. Wow. So immediately. Yeah. What? March, May, June, July. August. So two, three months after yeah. the release. Yeah. We well, were, we're in production. Folks, I know that you guys have been like, but I want Jason. Right. We all want Jason. But that's what that I think I saw that comment specifically. But but no, give me Jason. <laughs> but here it is. Uh part two does in fact debut the killer of the Friday the 13th franchise that we all know and love, Mr. Grown Up. Jason Voorhees. That's right. Actually, the film was almost titled Just Jason. Just Jason. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Not uh, just Jason. Jason. Can you imagine? <laughs> just Jason. Guys, just That's, Jason. What a giveaway to the whole film. It's that just like, Jason. So it sounds like a romantic comedy. <laughs> it does. <laughs> he, he was not, he was misunderstood. He didn't know how to swim. He's just Jason. Danny has obviously just listened to all the extras, the radio commentary. Friday the 13th. Yeah. Don't you miss that? Ads, I yeah. remember hearing radio spots. How about this, Lance? Did you ever open a newspaper to check the times for movies? I did. And yeah, I man. circled the ones I wanted to watch and the days that they were playing. Yes, I did that. Uh, I was always given the task because oh, we didn't have a movie theater in my hometown. We had to go to McAllen, which was the big town nearby. And it was about a 45 minute drive. But, yeah. you know, we enjoyed it. And uh, we checked the newspaper and be like, all right, it takes about 45 minutes to get there and all that stuff. So we would do the thing where my mo- it was usually my mom and I, we would go um, you know, on little fun, you know, uh, you know, day dates, you yeah. know, or whatever. And she was like, well, check the times. And I would check the times. I'd be like, I don't know. We can get there and go right into the movies. Right. Or we can get the showing afterwards and we'll go get dinner or lunch first. We'll go get a little, <laughs> maybe go to the mall. It was always a fun. That was my, oh, what a time, man. I miss those days. I remember like, if my mom and I can be like, if we decided to get the old, the later showing, that means we were going to get out of the theater when it was like dark. Yeah. So it like added to it, yeah. especially if we were going to go watch a scary movie. And I'm not saying that my mom took me to all the scary movies. I mean, like we'd go watch a lot of cool movies together, but like sometimes we would go watch a scary movie. I remember uh, watching New Nightmare 
mm-hmm. in the theaters. Um, but it was something it's weird. It was about driving home when it was dark and, you know, I could see the console, you know, that green light that oh, all yeah. of them had on all the, them. for the numbers. Yeah. I think my mom was driving a GMC Jimmy mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, Nora Jones was playing because she had the CD. It was just great times, man. It's like, and you could spend that time going home. With, that's what I liked about driving home. I'm like, well, at least I don't like get out of the theater. I go straight to my house. You know, I have, it's, you have that time to decompress because yeah. it was 45 minutes away. I had the same setup where I wasn't, I don't think it was 45 minutes, probably like 25 to 30 minutes. But what my favorite thing to do was to close out the theater. I would go to the last showing so that when I, would walk out then all the theater lights would turn off especially in the outside so the parking lot was barely lit so you're already scared from the movie hopefully uh and then you'd walk to your car and then you had to drive home and there's something about the drive home late at night that's kind of scary and you just watch the scary movie it just always added to the experience so i think we kind of had something similar there which I is think, awesome i think so too uh and now as adults so i brought this up uh recently um my fiance's family was in town and I brought up the idea as to why I just believe that um, we're so attached to nostalgia moments. Mm-hmm. We like uh, nostalgia sells. That's it. Nostalgia sells. We were the ones begging our parents, please, let me, we get the pizza from Pizza Hut. Please let me go get movies from Blockbuster. Right, please. And, you know. If you did good in school, you'd get it, you know, whatever. Now we don't have to ask anybody. <laughs> we just do it. So yeah. like Pizza Hut is now has not gone back to their traditional logo. Yeah. I don't know. You've seen other campaign is That's about great. them being the traditional chandeliers. I'm like, y'all didn't need to change any of that. You mm-hmm. never did. Burger King needs to go back to the original logo. The the bun on top it's like at a side with a blue swoosh oh yeah that's dumb <laughs> who has never changed their logo mcdonald's and what they're number one forever right miller light went back to the white cans the people just like flock to that because they're like we want you know the classic we want what what reminds us of a, of a, of a time that we were it was fun and comfortable and all that stuff so it's like nostalgia is so heavy and it's so, I mean, I think it's a great, it's a, it's a reason as to why we in the Slasher's Paradise live in this, I think, area adjacent to the 80s and 90s. I think that's why we're so into it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think just through our episodes, I've kind of gone back and listened. And it's just like, it's been a natural transition. Like, hey, remember the video store? Yeah. Hey, remember going to the theater late at night? Yeah. Hey, remember this? Hey, remember that? And it's just become this ultimate nostalgia. Now it's kind of bleeding into everything else that we do. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, remember, right? Hey, remember when? And now, like, you can do all those things if you want to, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, the other day, I have a Switch, right? And the other day, I, I put on the classic Mario and I was playing it and I was like, wow, man, simpler times. We didn't have to worry about bills and stuff. So I was like, I was transported for a little bit into that moment. And then I stopped playing and then I went and got the mail and then I saw that I had a bill and then I was like, ah, life again. Uh, Reality. Mm. Yeah. But we're not in reality right now. We're in slashers paradise. We are. This is where all the slashers and all horror fans, you come, you kick your shoes off, get your toes buried in the sand. And the only worried is the water going to reach my chair. That's right. So grab your tiki cups, fill them up. 
Speaking of which, we have the slash word. Danny, oh, who's bringing us the slash word today? Well, just in case anyone has not uh, listened to our previous podcasts, uh, we welcome you to listening to. Uh, you have a very interesting take on how to just jump into the sequel before the original. But uh, <laughs> slash word is a very po- is a the horror version based on the popular game of password. If you hear the word said, you take a drink. Take a drink. That's it. You just take a drink from your beverages, beverages of choice, uh, whether it be water, alcohol, in between, or uh, milkshakes. I had a milkshake recently. Holy, it was so good. What'd you have? What, what I had flavor? a cookies and cream milkshake from the Hershey store in Vegas, uh, connected to the New York, Fancy. New York. Fancy, dude, dude. I just like. You know when you go and you get a milkshake? Okay, anyway, that's a slash. See, see, nowadays it's like a commitment. Like, you know when you go and get a milkshake? Yeah. Like, when we were kids, we just had milkshakes. But now yeah. it's like, you know when you, like, commit? When you commit to, to like, a milkshake. Exactly. a milkshake as an adult. Because <laughs> there's consequences nowadays. There are. Yes, yes. <laughs> what is it? A minute on the lips, but 20 years on the hips. Or something like that. I'm not sure, guys. <laughs> anyway, so that, uh, back to it. The slash word is, uh, if you hear it, if you hear it, uh, you take a drink and we have been very lucky to secure a lot of interesting personalities to bring the slash word each time. That's right. So today we have from Friday the 13th and Friday the 13th part two, crazy Ralph. Oh my God. It's crazy Ralph. Ralph, you're on the line. Please let us have the slash word of the night. You want the slash word, don't you? The slash word is kill. You're all doomed. You're all doomed. Wow. Okay. Thanks, Ralph. Thanks, crazy Ralph. (laughs) You think he likes being called crazy? (laughs) Uh, I don't care. (laughs) This man is crazy as hell. (laughs) He's the town crazy. So, all right, Danny, give us our pumpkin spice latte of Friday the 13th, part two. Friday the 13th, part two, Pumpkin Spice Latte by Danny Gonzalez. Well, I feel like I just did like a... Uh, <laughs> the editorial. It, yeah. <laughs> turning in my paper to my English teacher. <laughs> Friday the 13th, part two, Mrs. Voorhees is dead. And now, <laughs> another group of camp counselors have returned to a camp adjacent to the camp, uh, to Camp Crystal Lake and are uh, opening up camp and are now again being stalked by an unknown mysterious assailant. And uh, if Mrs. Voorhees is dead, who is doing the killing? And that's Friday the 13th, part two. And our breakdown for the film was released on May 1st, 1981, with a budget of $1.25 million. Our box office is 21.7, very shy of our original, which was 59.8 million. Uh, written by Ron Kurz, directed and produced by Steve Miner. And it's starring Adrian King, Amy Steer, Steele, Johnny Foray. And that's our breakdown. Danny, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Okay. From the people you just mentioned that it's starring, you said Adrian King. Okay, that's Alice. So Alice is back. Yes, Alice is back. Alice is back. All right. Oh, I'm going to get a full sequel. That would be perfect of all that the final girl has had to deal with. 
she was attacked. Uh, so let's see her trauma play out. This would make a very, very uh, interesting, woke movie. Mm. Uh, but no, it's 81, Lance, right? Yes. We're not going to make that shit. Nope. We're going to make another version of part one, but <laughs> we got slapped. And I, the, the we, the editorial we, man, is the Friday the 13th creators, producers, mm. got a big slap on the hand or on the wrist, yes. right? Yes, they did. From the MPAA. What did they say? Uh, they said you better dumb this one down after the first one because we let you have we we let you off the hook with the first film. So the second one, dumb it down. Dumb yeah, down they the are board. they are who we think they are, and we let them off the hook. <laughs> All right. Sorry when you said that. Uh, that's yes, that's an NFL sports joke. <laughs> hey guys, sports games, <laughs> sports games. No, anyway. Okay, so they said. Correct me if I'm wrong. They said that the kills in part one were too much. As far as too gory, the they said that they let too much go as far as the gore, the horror, and everything. Because part one was met with a lot of uh, backlash. This whole yes, this whole era. yes, the whole every Friday the Thirteenth movie kind of tries to outdo itself as to how Gene Siskel or Roger Ebert are going to react. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. I mean, Gene Siskel, clutch your pearls. Like, really? Why were you so? I'm I'm still. Dealing with how shook he was from Betsy Palmer's, Pamela Voorhees' performance and like trying to publish her address, idiot. Anyway, um, what's interesting, though, about this movie, Lance, now you have to make a sequel that is not as gory as the original. But even then, what, what people saw in the theaters, part one. Why are you laughing? What's so funny? Because <laughs> we are watching, as we want to let everyone know, now that we've gone to only audio, we are watching the movie as we do our podcast. And Danny's <laughs> favorite line just came up on the screen. And it made me laugh because, Danny, you go ahead and say Pamela's line. Well, because I told you about closed caption subtitles that care. Yes. Uh, if you are watching, if you bought it digitally... <laughs> Oh my God, she's killing it right now. If you bought it digitally, for some reason, the closed captions that are associated with the Friday the 13th movies are very, they care. They care. They put parentheses like what the actor or the character is feeling. Uh, what's funny about that line that Pamela says that I love so much is because she goes, Jason should have been watched every minute. He was, ellipses, parentheses, snorts. It says that. Yes. And in parentheses, she goes, <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't very good swimmer. Anyway. Danny's been sending me this line via private chat for the past week and a half every time that he can. So I start laughing every time I see it. So well, th- that's the thing we're about watching these flashbacks. <laughs> it makes me laugh. Well, that's the thing, right, Lance? It's about Jason's swimming abilities that is going to be the crux of the plot. Yes. If he was... If he wasn't a very good swimmer. Well, why are we seeing him now in part two? All right. We're going to go right into this. Conversation. We have to, man. <laughs> we have to. I, I forget sometimes. And I apologize if anybody has linear sort of listening or thinking. I do jump around and sometimes maybe I introduce things. I, 
I don't know. Did I close the Nora Jones thing tidbit? I think I did, right? <laughs> sure. Did it end on a note? Okay. It ended on a note. Ah, <laughs> uh, note. What am I going to do with a uh, gun? Anyway. <laughs> Let alone men. Okay. No, we're not going to go into more Wayne's world. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, okay. Yes. Is Jason alive? Did Jason survive from the first film that we know that he drowned and his mother avenged him? By killing every camp counselor or any any person that came to the camp. This is a big controversy back then because Tom Savini, uh, Pamela, uh, the uh, what's her name? Betsy Palmer. Betsy Palmer and Sean Cunningham all kind of threw their hands up in the air and said, what do you what do you mean? Jason's alive. Right. Well, let's just talk about what the first part gave us. Right. The first part ends with um Alice triumphantly signaling, uh, giving Jason the boy in the lake his cue to jump up and get her. Yes. Um, okay, so watch the. And if you got, here's the thing: you don't have to go back and watch the first part to know what you missed. We are now 15 minutes, maybe, into starting the sequel, and we are just seeing parts of part one. Yeah. It, the, the movie opens with Alice dreaming all the recap, but all you're seeing is the exact end of the movie uh, of the original Friday the 13th. Yeah. So uh, this is a theme that up until I think about part four mm -hmm. and they may do it a little bit after that. But I, I know for sure up to part four, mm -hmm. they do these recaps before the credits. Um, that was cool. For uh, the time, because, you know, you're going to the theaters, you're like, OK, well, if I'm if, if, the filmmaker, the filmmakers are here saying if I'm going to make a movie that is directly connected to the original, I don't want fans to be like, wait, what happened? Who died? Or you get to you get to save a, or a fan if they said ah, i'm not i hadn't seen the original. Am I going to miss anything? No, you're not going to miss no. anything because we're going to tell you everything you need to know in the beginning. So. Uh, the movie opens with Alice in her apartment having this violent dream. But the end of the original ends with Alice being pulled under the water by a boy, Jason, that emerges from the lake. Okay. We know for a fact that the police pulled her from the water. Mm -hmm. They thought that we thought you drowned too. They thought she drowned. So she did fall into the water. Mm -hmm. Okay. So was she pulled into the water by Jason or not? If you say yes, he should not be a boy still. He drowned in 58, 57. Okay. Right. He should be older than the boy that emerged from the lake. Correct? Right. Yes. If you say that it wasn't Jason and it was a figment of her imagination. Right. It's a way to kind of play onto uh, the victim's trauma yeah. there. That's all good. It could get very cerebral and I am okay with that. Yeah. Then this <laughs> sequel is going to, you're going to have a hard time believing what you, what you're seeing that is Jason alive at all. If it was a figment of her imagination, then Jason really did die. And he and, you know, Pamela Voorhees' rampage was justified. Mm -hmm. What the sequel is saying <laughs> is that Jason is alive and well. alive, alive, alive. Mm -hmm. 
he is alive and has been living in the woods off of animals and being just a like angry, confused woodsman, basically. Yeah. He's like a mountain man almost, That's right? That's scary. That's terrifying, especially if, you know, if you want to live in the woods your whole life and that's your upbringing, but you don't want to do anything while you're in there, you won't develop any like freakish strength, you know, pulling logs and like, you know, being like when Arnold is setting up for the predator, you yeah. know, you have to pull things in and like get things in, in, to, in order if you want to be that type of woodsman. Yeah. If you want to be the woodsman that lives under like a bridge then that's fine too. You're just not going to, nobody's going to be scared of you. They're just going to kind of, you know, get away from me. Yeah. You skinny woods. Yeah. The threat is gone. Pretty, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So what the sequel is saying is that Jason is alive. He never did die. He never did drown. No, but that doesn't make sense. Lance. It can tell me it can. So, this is a big controversy among all the fans, right? We, everyone talks about it, everyone throws out theories. So my thing is like, if you watch the first film, Jason's mom snapped at some point she snapped. So mm-hmm. let's just say, and the movie's not telling in this story, but let's just say the, the movie doesn't tell us a lot. Actually, the franchise doesn't tell us a lot. And there's a lot of things that we kind of go back to and we're like, Oh yeah, that's what I meant by it. Or, Oh yeah, that's what we meant to, you know, portray in mm-hmm. what we, what we shot and what we put out there. So my idea, this is just my idea is that Jason survived the drowning, but it was a snapping point for Pamela. Mm-hmm. And at that point she's still taking care of her boy in the woods, but hiding him away because obviously society can't take care of him. And, but that was a snapping point for her. So she, that's when she starts to haunt Camp Crystal Lake and she starts to take out everyone that comes to the camp and all that in the name of Jason, because in her mind, society killed him or the, the counselors, the people at the, at Camp Crystal Lake killed Jason. So Jason was alive. So part one still makes sense. Pamela just snapped. Jason wasn't, you know, he, he's still a sheltered boy or, you know, in his mind, at least he's still kind of sheltered. Uh, we know that he was deformed just by the very ending of what we saw of him. Um, probably bully, probably this, probably that, but, He's a sheltered boy in the woods. Pamela is taking care of him and avenging what in her mind happened of him dying or society. The counselor's killing him, not taking care of her boy. (laughs) Danny shaking his head, thinking about this, rattling around. I'll buy it. Okay. I'll buy it. (laughs) I'm putting a lot into this. I will buy that. I will buy that because uh, (laughs) that could definitely... That would that that can be something that I can see someone, you know, they they saw the drowning event occur. Yes, they 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 maybe or or, you know, they didn't because she was preparing meals. Remember, Mm -hmm. remember. So maybe he does survive. Maybe he had to be resuscitated. Maybe a lot of things. Right. Yeah. But I see that. No, no, no. I'm not going to let you be almost like Carrie's mom, you know? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. The outside world is too cruel. Right, right. But I will make sure that this never happens again right. here to you or to anyone. As a matter of fact, they're going to pay for it 
forever. She's maybe locked in that eternal struggle. Yes, thank you. You you put it so so much more elegantly than I. I could, don't think but, I did, but well, I, I'm the long detail version, and you get the you get right to the point. No, but I just heard what you did. It's, it's your favorite line, right? That actually kind of adds some validity to this, which is I'm not scared, right? Like she just right. she snapped. We yeah. know that she snapped. She's been doing this for 20 years, right? So 58 to 80. She's been haunting uh, Camp Crystal yeah. Lake. And I mean, lots of things have happened. You're listening to Dead Candy. Dedicated entertainment for the dead. Hola! Ghoulos, it's me, Raul El Ghoul, and I'm coming to you to ask you, follow me on El Instagrams at Raul El Ghoul, or in Espanol, at Raul El Ghoul. Anyway, I am the newest creature feature ghost host with the most. I know all the things of uh, spooky things, and that's the story I'm sticking to it. If you want to laugh, you can come there too. Because if I wasn't called El Ghoul, I'd be called Raul El Funny. Follow me on Instagrams at Raul El Ghoul. Hey, when it comes to ghosts, hosts, and spooky stuff, you could do a lot worse than Raul. But it doesn't get much better. <laughs> Don't be a stupid. Be a gulo. Adios. So we are uh, about how much into the into the movie before? Yeah, so we're about thirteen minutes into the movie before you see the title cre- the the credits, the opening credits. That's impressive. Yeah, it's impressive, and apparently. Jason has left the camp. Jason has left the camp. He's tracked down Alice, and uh, Alice got it, guys. Oh, let's have a you know a little moment for Alice. Yes. A final girl is. I think it should always be rewarded. Uh, the nightmares did this. The Fridays definitely do this. Mm-hmm. They bring the final girl back for the sequel just to kill him. Yeah, um, there is. There's some. Not controversy about this, but what the actress has said was that she kind of said, like, I'm available to do this. But at the, from Friday the 13th, she had a stalker. Oh, yeah. Talk about that. Um, so from from that movie, she had a stalker that even broke into her apartment was, you know, it became a stalker case, uh, which scared her off from acting pretty much. So she kind of told them, like, hey, you can do whatever you want, but make it short kind of a thing. Um, they didn't bring her in until the very end. Production was pretty much done, and this first scene was shot after the movie was pretty much done. Uh, it was one of the last acting roles she had for another like 15 or so years, and then she only did voice acting because she was so shook from the stalker that she had. So that is kind of one of the reasons that we didn't get much of her in this film. It was just like a kind of like, all right, continuation sort of a thing. Um, That's crazy, man. It's crazy. It's I mean, sad. It's, I mean, and we know Daniel Harris kind of dealt with the same thing for a yeah, while where she yeah. kind of walked away from acting because she had a stalker. So it, it kind of it kind of goes with the genre, I guess. I'm sure it goes with a lot of actors and actresses. But. Yeah, there, there are a lot of stalkers that are attached to famous actors and um, it's terrible. It's garbage. Um, but I hear it frequently happening um, in 
horror movies, as mm-hmm. a matter of fact. Yeah. I think even Heather Langenkamp uh, had a had a stalker too. That's Nancy from yeah. Nightmare because that's what New Nightmare kind of deals with that she did. That's right. It's all dealing with real things. And you know what? Like we love, love the horror community. Right. They've been so welcoming and so uh, you'll never find a more loving and uh, accepting community. I think um, that's just me personally from experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, the welding community though, they're very cool. Yeah. No, they're not. They're ruthless. Oh, you can't weld? Get out. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, no, the horror community is awesome, but uh, they're in, in any fandom. You can even talk about like now with comic books being so in the mainstream. Uh, yeah, there, there's toxic fandom on anything with uh, with such an open source of content. Yeah. And, uh, you know, these movies are timeless. We're talking about an 81 movie right now that, you know, we're still talking about. And like, kudos to these filmmakers, to the to the writers, to everyone involved in this. It's like, it's so impressive to do something, albeit to see, you know, at one point, if you start making sequels a part of a huge franchise, even the shitty ones will start to kind of find their way into someone's like, you know, heart, like, and not to be sappy, but at the same time, I mean that, I mean that like, not all these movies are great in the Friday the 13th franchise, not all of them, but each of them kind of find like, there's something for everybody. You know, mm-hmm. so you got like, well, what's the franchise dominating right now? The Fast and Furious franchise, right? Oh, yeah. It's dominating the shit out of everything, right? Yeah, it's a, it's the top franchise ever and top uh, grossing franchise ever. So let's just talk. So Friday the 13th, imagine that being the fast mm-hmm. of the 80s because it was. Yeah. It's a moneymaker. People, kids are going. They're going to flock to the theaters to see this because it's got it all, folks. You may go be going to see... Uh, you know, what What kills are they going to have, you know? Um, unfortunately for this one, they did not get Tom Savini back. He got very busy. They had Stan Winston for a little bit. For a little bit. For yeah. a little bit. Uh, <laughs> he got but a little busy. He was like, nah, I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. Uh, maybe Aliens or something. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'll go win a bunch of awards. For yeah, aliens. I'm going to go win a bunch of awards. Gosh, what a great, what a great mind. But, but you know, some of the effects had to be dumbed down. And dumbed down in the sense of like, they had to be less gory and well they had to be edited i mean essentially because i just showed you you on did the, on the new blu-ray thing uh there's the uncut I scenes i want that box set the box set is amazing and it's apparently the only place that the scenes have been released i just read today actually but uh so i was really excited i'd watched it and then i learned that fact and i felt so special that i got to see these and i just showed them to danny mm-hmm. um what's funny is like we talked about Friday the 13th, the first one being a direct ripoff of Halloween. Mm-hmm. The filmmaker said it. That's how it is. The opening of this one reminds me so much of H2, Halloween 2, uh, Michael walking through the streets of Hattonfield mm-hmm. so much. And there's something funny because it turns out it is Jason, spoiler alert, um, walking through the puddle and walking to Alice's house. Mm-hmm. It, there's something so funny about Jason walking. I immediately was like, man, he's got like some crazy swagger to him there's there's something going, there's something with his walk these boots and the jeans and i'm like and that's all you see walking to alice's house and i just remember watching like man he's got a different swagger to him there's something yeah. kind of cool to jason there's yeah. something different to jason turns out that this scene is actually played by a woman it's the only woman to ever play jason and it was actually the costume designer 
Ellen Lutter or Luter? Luter. Uh, Luter maybe. that played Jason, the only woman ever to play Jason. Wow. And once I learned that, I was like, oh, okay. It kind yeah. of validates your like your view on things. There is a yeah. lot, there's a lot of swagger with that opening, Jason. But let's just talk about camp. Pat Pack Pack Pakanak. Let's talk about Camp Pakanak. Right. The balls on this camp counselor. Holy moly. You're maybe a mile, if not (laughs) away from it's the same lake. You're still using the same lake. Yeah, it's on the other side. And you were yeah, and you're just like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna definitely have camp yeah yeah i know that the one down the way here has had well what what is it have murders you know yeah, just They're, five years ago it was some murders whatever it's and then it had been previously cursed like a bunch of stuff had happened before this dude paul who's got all the hey guys i'm just one of you sort of professor yeah. the professor that turns the chair around he's got that vibe to him he's over here with his flannel shirt looking cool with his uh you know beatles haircut sort of there's a hair yeah it, what you don't you you know i'm gonna talk about the hair yeah, you know i am i'm just gonna call you out for it but that's fine <laughs> the, you know you got the uh the newsies hats on some of these guys jeffrey yeah jeffrey's wearing the newsy hat yeah um cool. lots of cool stuff but I will say the obvious. Uh, Camp Pakanak, so white. There are nothing but just clean cut Pepsi commercial kids again. Uh, it yeah. is what it is. Um, but so white. Yeah, you know, when it was like Oscar so white. Right. Yeah, so. Um, but it's. I remember being a kid and watching this and it's like, it's this, it's kind of interesting. The things that you just kind of get used to actually, you know what? I will say this. What I loved about these counselors is that there's so many. Yeah. There's a lot. There's so many counselors. Yes. I want to go to Camp Pakanak. Yeah. I'll be a counselor there. I mean, and and that's just outdoors. And that's another thing that this movie does really well is sets up the outdoors, the serene. It's shot during the day. We always start in the day of these movies, which is the safe zone. You know, it's out in the wilderness. Um, We have a character that says, oh, it's so creepy out here. But who cares? It's the woods and we're out and there's nobody out here. Right. So. There's something fun and serene about camp. I will work at this camp. And and this camp has actually been, this is not the first day. Or I'm sorry, this is not the first year. Mm-hmm. This is actually looks like it's been a successful camp, you yeah. know? At least maybe the last couple of years or whatever. They know this guy, the 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 local officer, the officer yeah. knows this guy. He knows it. He knows Paul. Um, we are it's established it it gets established that Ginny is going to be your Alice replacement, right? Yeah. Uh, Paul's getting everybody together. Ginny is in her uh, bug Volkswagen and she gets there, you know, kind of late. Um, we've swapped out blue crystal eyes of Alice for creamy jade green eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two girls with green eyes. Sorry. Uh, and her and Paul have a little bit of history, a little smoochies, you know, they, yeah. they've got some stuff, but Ginny definitely has the upper hand on the whole on Paul. Paul is pining over her. He wants her in the worst way and in the best way. Maybe he seems like a nice guy. He's never gross. He's never, um, 
you know, kind of overboard or anything like that. He's a nice yeah. guy and he's pining over Ginny, but Ginny really, she messes with him, man. Yeah. She messes with him. She's I'm not going to, I'm not going to call Ginny a tease Lance. Okay. Don't, but she teases him. <laughs> okay. Like in the sense of like, yeah. <laughs> she does man. <laughs> but Paul is just like, you know, maybe they're, they have a, you know, he, he, yeah, he, he's got it for Ginny. Ginny has a history, a background in child psychiatry. Yes, which he mentions. I love that that's just dra- dropped casually. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 you're like, huh, I wonder if I'm supposed to know this or remember <laughs> this for the future. It's one of those things you'll definitely miss on your first or second watch. But as you become a fan and you continue to watch, like, oh. Oh, that's yeah. good to know. Absolutely. Because right? it acts, it actually comes back. So <clears throat> yeah, I, I like their little relationship. I like that it's a little bit different than anything we've seen before. Yeah. Uh, I like these characters right away. And it's something that we don't, I don't feel like we don't get in a lot of horror films anymore. I don't like the characters a lot. They're way too serious. Yeah. And maybe it's just the vibe of the times or something. This is why we're all living in nostalgia and we love these movies yeah. so much. But I always like the characters within the first 10 minutes. I will say this though about Jenny. Um, if I'm watching this in chronological order, Ginny mm-hmm. is my favorite final girl so far. I like Ginny over Alice. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is that? There's just something about, and you'll see it later. She just pulls out a freaking chainsaw and mm-hmm. she's just like cutting trees. Uh, she's definitely, she, she thinks for herself, you know, she's, she's not like, uh, I'm not saying that Alice was this, but there's something about Ginny's demeanor that I've always liked. She's very, you know, she has that moment at the bar where she talks about like, you know, she questions the validity of the legend. And she's like, you know what? This, you know, think about it from Jason's point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she introduces a point of view that you're not really trying to, or you're, you, you maybe don't even think to process or you never, it never crosses your mind to think of it from the killer. Yeah. You know, like, well, you know, think about what he might be going through. You know, all he knows is only point of comfort or reference is his mother. And maybe he, she thinks he witnesses his mother being decapitated. Like what would that do to him? You know? Right. Yeah. So, uh, also, uh, Lance, you know, I throw Friday 13th parties. Yes, you do. Yes, Danny. I throw Friday 13th parties. Yes, you do. And whatever I do, sometimes they are right before uh, the pandemic or right or not. But uh, one of the, yeah, the last Friday 13th party I threw, then everything got shut down right after. Oh, it was all because of Danny. Yeah. Anyway, the fir- uh, I, one of the Friday 13th parties I threw, my beautiful fiance, Caitlin, dressed up as Ginny. And that might be another reason why I like Ginny. Uh, as well. So now it's a personal thing. It is it's a little bit. A, yeah, it's a personal touch. Yeah. Uh, I I love that the next thing we're actually watching right now is the campfire scene because it's something that is so synonymous with camp horror, Jason, Friday the 13th, all these things, and especially even the burning, which is where Tom Savini actually was during this film. Well, was, was that where you went? Yeah, that's why he wasn't doing this one. So, uh, the campfire seat is just so much fun. It, it adds that element of like, right, this is, these are the stories that you would tell at the campfire to scare everyone. And this is, this is synonymous to horror in, in the woods in camp. You know, you tell these ghost stories. It's in the, the Christmas uh, songs, right? Like, well, telling ghost stories, you know? So, yes. I mean, look, 
it's an element that I think was needed because it's referenced again and again. It's the, the it's the it's the age old people gathered around the campfire telling stories, just like Lance said. But it makes me remember what John Carpenter said about the two types of horror stories or, or ghost stories or, or slasher movies. I guess you can tell about. Imagine that campfire, mm. right? Okay, so you're at the campfire, and the story is Jason's out there. The killer is out there. Yeah. It's about the unknown, what's beyond the woods, what's beyond this, the light of the fire, you know? That's one style. Are you afraid are you afraid of that style? Like is that is that horror genre more appealing to you? Is that style appealing? Which is we don't know. It could be out there. It could be anywhere around. We're all cool, mm-hmm. but out there, right? And that plays into the, you know, um, you know, being afraid of people who are different, you know, xenophobia playing into some of these like horror movies that like are, are, are making their way through, you know, the genre at this time. And it's like, oh, but but we're we're, we're fine. It's the people who are different than us. Mm. You know, that's why Jason maybe found his himself in the in the water because they're like, oh, we're all cool. But the weird looking kid, let's throw him in the lake. Right. Then there's the other type. Well, no, the evil's here. Mm-hmm. It's at this campfire. Right. It's you. It's among us. It's me. It's anybody. Mm-hmm. That's more like the strangers. It could just be anybody. Right. It just is. Or, uh, you know, like uh, Henry, Portrait of a Psycho Killer or a uh, Serial Killer. Like, it's just, it's you. It's me. It could be anybody. Or remember uh, Wednesday when she's dressing up for Halloween? <laughs> what are you supposed to be? I'm, I'm a homicidal maniac. They look like everyone else. <laughs> perfect. Great. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Something you played on was the out there scenario. And something that I said from the first one is it's filmed so dark. That none of the background is ever lit. And the darkness plays a role. Like what's what's in the darkness? You know, it's literally some of the backgrounds are pure black. Yeah. And now and by nowadays standard, I would think that was filmed on a set almost kind of a thing where it's just black screen in the background. And then we have our little like camp area or our water kind of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's all fake. You know, I mean, that's just the way it was filmed Mm -hmm. until part three where we needed a little more light to play with 3D. But this one still has some of that, some of those elements of darkness beyond the woods. If you've ever stayed up in the woods, which I'm sure you have and I have. Oh, yeah. It's terrifying to look out into the woods and just. Let your imagination kind of play up like what's out there. What could be out there? Yeah. And that's what Fire 13 does so well. I will say that um, as as a young horror fan, uh, I fall into a lot where a lot. Well, you know, I fall into the, I guess, area where a lot of people who are familiar with this franchise fall into, which is uh I may have watched the or preferred the hockey wearing hockey mask wearing Jason movies over the others. Okay. So, uh, folks, if you were wondering, is this where Jason gets his hockey mask? No, sure ain't. He still doesn't. He is wearing a burlap sack with only one eye hole because Mm -hmm. uh, the other one doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't work. (laughs) His head is wrapped in burlap. Anyway, sorry. That's. uh, that's Young Guns 2, if you guys didn't know. Uh, but yes, Jason is the killer. He's fully grown, freakishly strong, and is has his face covered by a burlap sack with one eye with one eye hole. And that just seems to me incredibly uncomfortable. 
Right, but it's Jason, and we know that Jason's so, deformed, and he lives in the woods. Yeah. The idea behind the burlap mask was that it was just something that he could probably grab to put over his face. But then a rope around his neck, you know what I mean? Well, like like to tie it down. Yeah, because he's got one eye. I mean, you got to get it like lined up, you know what I mean? Right, but he can breathe, right? I mean, like yeah, that would just got be- the one hole, so. I mean, I he's guess we were all- the smartest we were all- <laughs> He's not the smartest boy in the lake. No. What if Jason, in- here's this, all right? Here's and this, this might be, this might be the clip you take. Okay. Jason isn't the man in the woods. Jason isn't even the boy in the lake. Maybe Jason is like Nessie. Like the Loch Ness monster. You have to be like a true believer to like encounter him. So that's what it is. Alice doesn't encounter Jason. She encounters Nessie, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Well, going back, I mean, Jason knows how to use a phone in the in the opening sequence. He hangs up on Alice to freak her out or to get her into a different room. Uh, we don't hear breathing or anything like that, but it is obviously an assassination tactic. But Jason is also nice. He took the kettle off the <laughs> fire. I'm so glad you. <laughs> Are you kidding? I had That's that written one... in my notes. It made me laugh so much. That's one of the things I re- I <laughs> love seeing the most is that after he kills Alice and the cat, and he, he leaves the cat alone. Which thank thank you. Don't touch the don't. Don't hurt the pets, but that's actually, forget the cat. That's a huge point in this movie. But anyway, he takes the, she's uh, boiling water for tea and she takes, he takes it off and puts it on. Once he's killed her. I mean, just like, <laughs> so it's like, how? <laughs> I don't want to burn the house down. I mean, Alice. it's like, I'm, an, I'm not a, 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 a animal here. I avenge my mother. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah we don't need to, I don't need to burn down the block. Um, <laughs> yeah. But so many counselors, man. So many counselors. Alice was back for a little bit, but somebody else came back for a little bit from the original. Who's that, Danny? I think it's uh, the, the the man of the hour who called in for the slash word. We see Crazy Ralph again. That's right. He's back doing his, you're all doomed. Yeah, he's creeping around this new camp now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think the filmmakers were like, anybody who we can bring back, Let's do it and then kill him. Because, yeah, spoiler. Ralph is creeping around the camp. And he's actually being a little bit more creepy than he's supposed to. He's mm-hmm. kind of spying on Paul and uh, Ginny, you know, having a moment. And he that's when he meets his end. But the reason I talked about how there's a, a point here about pets. Muffin. Muffin. I look at Muffin. And I kind of see Loomis. Okay. Loomis doesn't have that underbite thing that Muffin does, but there's a little, because of the shagginess, okay. there's a little bit of Loomis, my dog, my Malty Poo, uh, in what I see Muffin. And Muffin walks up to Jason, and then Muffin is missing for the most of the movie. And watching it as a kid, maybe it didn't hit me as much. I don't know. Maybe I was just different that way. I didn't have inside dogs. But now having Loomis... I've obviously forgot what happened to Muffin, but I was like dying the whole time that Muffin was missing. I was like, if you mm-hmm. hurt this dog. And you know what? It's so weird. I never put that on Michael, even though he killed uh, Lester. I know. I We made this realization at yeah. some point. Like, God, he did kill a lot of dogs. He killed Lester. He killed Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, Michael was a jerk. Yeah. 
is a jerk. He you doesn't know, eat dogs, but he kills them. No, he eats them. Nope. Only in Rob Zombie's version. How okay. dare you? All right. How dare you? Is it at some point in this, they actually say like, oh, there's it looks like a dog mangle. I was like, Muffin? <laughs> I know. Right. But uh, okay. Another spoiler. Uh, Muffin survives. Yeah. Thank God. So at the very uh, end. Rest assured, you are fine. Uh, Muffin actually uh, ends up being a false scare. So yeah, one of the second to last scares of the movie is actually Muffin. And it's like, Great serene moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, muffin survived. Oh, it's Muffin. Yay. And then shit, it's a fan. Uh, but we really. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> we really advance the action because there are two counselors who uh, are a little bit more curious than others. It's mm. actually uh, the girl is making her boyfriend really. She's like, I really need to see that place. I need to see camp you know, blood. I need to see Camp Crystal Lake. And they were warned by Paul, do not go over there. It's off limits. The only reason we're doing well for these past five years is because we've kept our distance. And in a way it's good because that may be what Jason's like. All right, I won't mess with y'all, but do not, do not come into my zone, into my area. And these two break the law, man, right away. It's Jeffrey and Sandra. Jeffrey and Sandra go in to they head that way to Camp Crystal Lake and they get, you know, intercepted by the officer. But, you know, maybe they would have been fine. You know, maybe everyone would have been fine if they, I guess, curiosity, you know, uh, played a part in this. I mean, Jason is in the woods. He is stalking them. He has made his way to uh, uh, Packenack. Packenack. But he only killed Ralph. So That's far, true. maybe he's like, all right, give these kids some privacy. Yeah, all right. I'm going to keep an eye on them. Yeah. I'm going to keep an eye on them. If they start banging, that's when I start killing. <laughs> if they start banging in my neck of the woods. Yeah. Hey. Don't be getting, don't be getting frisky over here. You you can't get frisky unless you want to get risky. And if you get risky, you better drink some whiskey. Yes. Okay. No, look, they're at the no trespassing signs. This is the perfect. <laughs> if I see a sign, Lance, that says no trespassing, I won't trespass it. That's just me. Uh, yeah. At our age. Yeah. I think <laughs> I, I used to, I used to be like, what's tr- trespassing? I'm I'm going right over the fence. Whatever. It was a free, free land. There's I'm always a, a good man. story with a no trespassing sure. sign. But uh, at this point, this is actually where our counselors split groups because we had so many of them. And we actually see that like, okay, here's our main people and they're all interacting. And then our other counselors are kind of off on their own in the water. And Jeffrey and Sandra are off at Camp Crystal Lake and Jason is stalking them. I want to say something about Jason's stalking skills. Okay. If you've ever been in the woods or in the wilderness and you walk, just walk, you're going to step on something that's going to make some noise. Everything. Yes. You breathe and you make noise in the woods for some reason, right? He is so good at stalking and only really breaking the twig or stepping on the crunchy leaves when it's time to get their attention or to divert their attention. Right. I just want to say that that's quite impressive. Uh, I have tried to be sneaky in the woods during hunting season uh, many a times and maybe make one step and the deer is so gone. It's like, nope, I hear you. I know. <laughs> I smell you. 
Anyway, I'm thinking of the, the play of the woods. Like there's so much going on and they always play up the, what was that? You know, and you look, there's nothing there. It's not sort of a thing. So these noises could be going off at all points, especially when you're super deep in the woods. For sure. But like you said, like when you try, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're caught immediately. That's so, why I'm not, yeah. I'm not Jason and, and I'm not going to be Jason ever. Kudos to Jason for his hunting and stalking skills. Right? Because he would learn all that stuff. And and that's the other thing. Some of these, the, the kills are more inventive in part two, right? There's uh, strangling with a barbed wire. Uh, we got um, a spear through a double impalement, which was very much uh, censored. Mm, very um, much. A lot of this was censored. But I have to say... If you made this movie and your ambition was to make sure it wasn't as gruesome or as over the top as the original, quite frankly, the most graphic and spine tingling, gut wrenching kill in the entire franchise. And I know what I'm saying. I know that Jason has ripped people's heads off. I know that he's punched people's heads off. I know that he's drowned a guy upside down in a vat of toxic waste. These are actually all from the same movie. I know he's done a lot of interesting, very... He bent a guy all the way backwards, okay? But nothing hurts me more than the kill he does on name. I'm looking for it. He's on the top. This is a camp counselor. Mark? Mark. Mark? Who is waiting uh, for his uh, interest? Who uh, that you know he's been flirting and stuff to come uh, back. Vicky, he's been waiting for Vicky. Who's been you know they they are the ones that stayed behind. A lot of camp counselors went to went to went to the town to get you know lit up the live it up before the kids get there, including Ted, including Ted. Yes, who is our comic relief character who we have in every movie of the franchise in the early days. But. Okay, I'm gonna put a pin. What do we know about comic relief characters? What do we know? They <laughs> die. They die hard. They die hard. Yeah. How much is it Because they're always the pranksters. And that's what these, in Friday the 13th especially, the comic relief is always a prankster. Yes. So Ted is definitely a prankster. And you know Ted because he was in just one of the guys. He was the one with the reptiles. Obviously, everyone knows that. So obviously. Ted <laughs> survives the movie. And a lot of counselors, as a matter of fact, because a lot of them do go over there, survives the movie by staying at the bar and closing it down and then asking about after hours moments. So by partying and chasing after girls, you survive. It broke all the rules, Lance. But all the rules were being established at this time. So it's kind of a funny niche thing that happened where you're like, huh, how did that happen? Like, how did we skip? How that? did he make? Yeah. How did, did we he just not think of anything? Slip through the cracks. Yeah. Just one of those moments where we just kind of forgot to write the end of a character and have him go back to the camp. Yeah. Cause after he asks about the after hours, you never see him or the rest of the counselors that a lot of counselors survived. Um, maybe you could bring Ted back and do a whole, you know, him returning or him like, yeah. you know, knowing he's like, yeah, it's all fun and games until you know, you stay out all night drinking and all your friends die or something. I don't know. Yeah. There's a sequel right there. The, the yeah. pack and act seven, right? There's like seven of them that survived. So yeah. Uh, but back to the pin. Yes. I'm talking about the most horrifying. It hurts me in my soul. Kill. Okay. That Jason has ever done. Mark uh, is a counselor who's in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. 
he's really cool the whole time, playing it cool, talking about how he's in training. You know, maybe he's uh, you know he's getting his body ready. He's very optimistic about his future. Says yes. about about some motorcycle accident or whatever. Vicky definitely has the hots for him, and Vicky definitely asks if uh, you know he can get it on, and he's like, oh yeah, I do good one way or another. So they're about to get down. She says, I'll be right back. And when he goes out to the deck to wait for her, it's starting to storm a little bit. Yeah. Like a son of a gun. <laughs> it's going to tear through that valley. When he is waiting, he's just sitting facing one way. Mm-hmm. He gets a machete straight to the fucking face. <laughs> and I'm sorry, folks. It hurts me so much watching it because he makes a sound that would probably go with someone getting machete to the face. Yeah. He's like, I think that's the best way. It's not only his reaction. I told you my part of this that like makes me cringe is the very realistic like. It's like a, a kicker punting a football sound of the machete hitting his face. Ugh. It's not the dramatic like shing, 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 all this. It's just like a thud. Thick. Yeah. A Boom. machete yeah. to the face. And that's what gets me going like, oh, that's very real. I mean, you could imagine like maybe like the, whatever they did for like in like Foley or getting like the like probably like lettuce, like tearing it up or something like that. But like <laughs> cracking bone. Oh, my God. And it's just like. It might hurt me more because he's probably the most wholesome care counselor I have ever seen. Him and Bill right now are tied. Mm. But as far after this, everyone pretty much has an agenda and it's yeah, pretty, yeah. you know, they're all, they really, after this lean into the sex, drugs and rock and roll part about all this, which is fine. Yeah. Because you know? the genre had been like set up at the, at that point once yeah. those movies start coming out, but this one, they're still setting the stage on their own, you know? Yeah. Uh, what you do see though, from, uh, and what I didn't realize watching it in like VHS or cable, whatever. It's not as clear in these HD movies that we have now. Now watching these HD movies, I'm like, oh, they may have like got away with it. Maybe just putting an extra to walk by or whatever. But when you think it's Jason and it's Ralph actually stalking, mm. you can see it's Ralph because yeah. the shadow is yeah. him wearing that damn bucket hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when it's Jason, it looks like the town that dreaded sundown. He looks like yeah. he looks like that killer. It's almost similar to that it's, mask. Yeah, it's like 95% the same, basically. It's so like what's a- the difference? The eye hole? The eye hole and the plaid, I think, pattern is just slightly different. Same color, same everything else. Um but yeah, I, I do like the, the play and all the shadowing with with Jason or not Jason and where we're we going with yeah. that. Uh, that particular kill, not only it, it's, you know, all bets are off. Anyone can basically get it. And this guy in the wheelchair, Tom, just goes flying down that long oh. stairs in the rain. There's a kind of odd transition of like this, like zoom in and bright, like glowing. Shot, yeah, which, it's almost like a comic book. Yeah, it's interesting. Like yeah. it, it plays well in the flashbacks that we get in the next film or two, but for some reason it's just in the middle of the movie it doesn't play with anything else that they've done. So I'm right. curious what they were doing uh, you know, in their editing on this one. But. Well, I will say this, Lance. Uh if you're a young boy <laughs> or whatever, uh they did not skimp out on the gratuity for this. No. Uh some people say they do watch these movies for the kills. And they're like, oh, how's it going to, you know, oh, are they going to go crazy with the kills? And 
these filmmakers are not stupid. They know who is going to watch these movies. And I've said this for the first uh, uh, Friday the 13th installment. They have to feature the, the like you, you mentioned first, the danger of it. Right? It's like, oh, it's about being you know, lewd and, and, and promiscuous in the, you know, when you're not supposed to be, I guess. Uh, they, they, weirdly, these movies served, served as a sort, sort of a PSA. But in any case, uh, there was definitely that. So they featured that. So I don't know how much of part two took those notes that they needed to make it less than part one. Right? Quite frankly, I think they show a lot more in this one. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, yeah. But again, we talk about the uncut scenes and there's a lot of, a lot more gore. It's reactions that I've noticed with the, the MPAA, because we talked about scream at the same point, 10, uh, what, 15 years after this one, they're still going after reactions. They don't like the reaction to somebody's death. You know what I mean? Or yeah. their reaction as they're dying. They always cut that back for some reason. It's too real. There's a lot of too real moments that they didn't like and cut out of this. But as far as the gratuity goes, I think things were just kind of flying around the late seventies, sure. early eighties. Uh, this one actually almost had an X rating. So they cut quite a bit. NPAA didn't. I think they said that the double impalement kill was the X rating. Like, yeah, you got to the tipping that. point. They're like, you got to get rid of this, which is funny. Cause then Michael brought it back. All right. So we got some cool kills. Mm-hmm. We got some drinking. We definitely got some sex. Well, I think we've pretty much checked all the <laughs> points that a Friday 13th has. So, What's left but to just start really killing off some uh, some counselors. That's right. So what? Like five counselors are left behind or, or, or less and everyone else gets saved because, like we mentioned, they don't come back. So Ginny and Paul are going to come back to the camp because Paul is in charge mm-hmm. and Ginny is going with him. And when they come back, they find that everyone has pretty much been offed. Right. In one way or another. Um, if they find them at all, right? Because we know that I think... Um, Mark is still rolling right now. Uh, Some people don't get discovered because, you know, he probably discards the bodies or whatever. But what we do know and we have seen is that Jason has a shack where he has been living. Shack in the shanty. Sorry. Go ahead. He's got a a, a little living domicile or whatever. And who that uh, obviously he put this thing together because it's made of every material I've ever seen in my entire life. I think it's like everything that would get like washed up on the lake. I guess, but yeah. the fact that he put a, a whole like home together out oh, of yeah. is bizarre. It's I, like I want to check the, the corners and wood stuff. Wood and see how metal. And, like, there's just random pieces of every kind of material you can imagine. Yeah. he did, He did. It, it, it's a pretty good living area, but um, uh, as the officer learned, you don't go into that shack, right? <laughs> right. You don't go in there. Um, but when Paul and Ginny do come back, Jason... Jason does go after Paul and here's back to my original point of Ginny not giving a goddamn about Paul. Uh-huh. Not that she needs to, right. but if you're making out with the man, there's obviously a connection there, mm-hmm. right? Okay. I don't want to talk about your shit, but I will say this. If, if I'm wrestling with a slasher or with a man with a burlap sack on his head and my significant other was there, she would help me. Ginny <laughs> <laughs> just lets Paul. She's like, Paul, there's someone in the room. 
And he's like, ah, okay, whatever, right? And then she sees Jason stand up with the spear. And I love I actually love this part because she's like, Paul, there's someone in the room. And then she sees Jason and she's like, I'm trying to tell you. She goes, Paul, there's someone in the fucking room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So Paul and Jason start <laughs> wrestling and struggling with each other. And what's so ridiculous to me is that Jenny's just like, I, okay, look, I understand she's scared. It's it's a traumatic moment, but she recovers from it really quick because she like kind of fends for herself and stuff. She's just like, Paul, 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 while Jason's just giving him the business. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I go help Paul. I know, Jenny, you're kind of giving Paul, like, you know, you're kind of giving them the runaround all the time. But, like, poor guy is is, is losing. Help mm-hmm. him. Anyway. Yeah, there's there's a scene when she's hiding from Jason in the cabin, and we're watching right now, but where the rat comes in. There's, there's This is another online thing that I had to address. Because, oh, boy. <laughs> do you know what it is? No. You know what I'm talking about? So she's hiding under the bed, and Jason doesn't see her. It seems like, you know, Jason's about to leave. A rat comes up. And scares her, kind of like, oh shit, like this rat's gonna rat me out. <laughs> Jason, get it, boom, boom. But all of a sudden, Jason turns around and you see this like fluid come from the end of the bed, but the rat is at her face. So everyone thinks, like, is she wetting herself or is it rat pee? What is it? Because it's what gets the attention of Jason. It's something that I don't really notice through most of my watches, but when I do, I'm like, what? What's the point of that? What is like, what was the actual intention of this fluid coming out of the bed and getting his attention? Um, the actress ended up saying it's Coke. It, it was Coca-Cola that spilled. I don't know why, why they use this. Well, it's, it, it's, it's not, it's not her. Her pants aren't wet. Um, and that would seem kind of silly, but anyway, uh, this is where she grabs the chainsaw, which right. we, we had seen earlier. And it's kind of like, a, ooh, is this a nod to Texas kind of a thing? I mean, and this is the part that cracks me up so much, too, is Jason's like, oh, fuck, chainsaw. Exactly. Yes, it's like, oh, no. Jason in this movie, folks, isn't the zombie, you know, nothing scares me. I'm going to kill yeah. you no matter what yeah. version. He's definitely still a man. You can hear him groaning and, mm-hmm. and, and, and grunting and stuff. But, yeah, when Ginny turns around to give him like a piece of her mind. Yeah. He definitely uh, recoils and stuff. It's uh, it's pretty funny. It's funny. He falls off the chair. He breaks the chair because he's so damn big, you know, and almost falls on top of her. Like, this this Jason and uh, part three's Jason, they really get their asses kicked uh, by the final girl, which is good. Like, I, I appreciate a good ass kicking. But let me just say. There is a scene in this movie that scares the ever living shit out of me. Okay. And it's coming up. It's when she finds her way to the shack. Yeah. She thinks that she's fine. Mm-hmm. And you see what would be her peripheral vision. It's just a shot through the window as she's just like in the shack. And you see from afar, blurry coming into focus, Jason running oh, up. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That scares me so much. That's a great scene. I yeah. just, they just, it's so set up so well. It's just him running at full speed. Uh, and also, the, the whole thing about like slashers who run, this Jason is running. Yeah. Yeah. He's a total woodsman, right? Yeah. It's something, the shack is something that I, I feel like. Didn't get really reused until like the 2000s movies and a lot of the origin kind of remake kind of movies. But they all did the you're in the killer's home sort of a yeah. thing, the shack. And this is where we're at. It's like terrifying. But what do, what does she find when she gets in there? Well, she finds a pretty much a altar to 
Mrs. Voorhees to Jason's mom. He has uh, apparently not only witnessed her his mom die, mm-hmm. but he has uh, recovered the head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds so funny to say. <laughs> he's recovered the head and put it on an altar surrounded by candles uh, where he's also around it, putting like, I guess, offerings. It's like a uh, tribute. It's right. like dead bodies dead and bodies, such. Yeah. Uh, but also Mrs. Voorhees is... Uh, Sweater is there, and remember what I said earlier about them talking about Ginny's background in child psychiatry. Mm-hmm. And she has this moment in the bar where she talks about, like, her point. I said this about her point of view, or Jason's point of view, and putting yourself in that position. She takes, she has the moment where she thinks, if this is his only point of reference or, or, or point of authority or love or whatever she thinks to put on mrs Voorhees's sweater tuck her hair back as much as she can and speak to jason as if she was mrs Voorhees. right and they do this cut back and forth between uh reshoots that they did with betsy palmer and her blending in with Ginny and back and forth. It's a really cool moment, which is uh, kind of nice that Betsy, Betsy Palmer actually came back to do that stuff. You know, that was nice. Well, she denies. <laughs> she denies coming back. Yeah. She said that that was all filmed. It, didn't, yeah, it never happened. Oh, she loved, oh, she's silly. Yeah. At the end, she, she you know, she warmed up to all of it, right? Oh, yeah, because it was making her money. Probably. Oh, yeah. She warmed up to Huge all of it. Yeah. She started doing the cons and everything. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Jason is uh she makes Jason kneel down and she's going to give him the the last good slash to the head with a machete but when she's pulling back to recoil through his one good eye he sees Mrs. Voorhees' head behind Ginny so he's like oh no it's it's not her it's a trick it's a trick so he blocks her machete swing with a pickaxe and again to her rescue not caring what what happens to himself? Paul comes back in. Jenny gets into a tussle with Jason, but this time Jenny realizes, hey, maybe two versus one is better. Right. And she takes the moment to take the machete. Slow-mo, just like Alice cutting the head off again. Little homage to the original. And she slices Jason's shoulder blade in half. Goes right from the neck, uh, left of his head, to about where his heart would be. Yeah, just about. Yeah, and Not only, a, yeah, a good slice. And it's, and it's a good, it's a great uh, eye acting moment. For, yeah, for our stunt man Jason, the one eye you do see. Yeah, yeah. And uh, by the way, Steve Bash was the the Jason for most of this movie. He did all the stunts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that got credited, the Jason that got credited, was uh, the Warrington um, Gillette. Uh huh. And yes. he's just the unmasked. Uh, Jason. Right. Uh, because, yes, Jason is obviously not dead. Right. Uh, if he survived a drowning, he's going to survive a little stupid slash to the collarbone. Yeah. So Ginny and Paul, Ginny was injured. She and Paul retired to uh, her cabin. And we talked about it earlier. There's a little bit of a fake scare because somebody's at the door. Um, Ginny uh, arms herself with the pitchfork, which is the iconic picture of... Amy Steele. Yeah. Is her holding the pitchfork straight out. Paul opens the door. We see it's Muffin. Muffin. Muffin's not dead. Yay. And Muffin comes to Ginny to support her to say it's okay. Everything's fine. The bad man's gone, but he's not. 
Jason bursts through a window, harking back to the original instead of through the water. It's through a window. And he's like, (laughs) (laughs) and open mouth, bad teeth, long hair, droopy eyed, grabs her, takes her through and another flash. Yes. Very slow-mo. This shot had to be done several times and actually our actress was actually terrified during this, expect not expecting it. Uh, the glass, unfortunately, did not break the first take. Wow. So our actor bumped his head into the glass pretty hard. Uh, our Jasons took quite a few bumps in this movie. Um, I think I think it was uh, Gillette that broke his ribs, or it was uh, Steve Dash that actually ended up breaking a rib. But yeah, we get Jason unmasked and just, oh, just horrifying with the machete still in his shoulder but let me ask did you see anything about any uh whoever took the bump with the uh chainsaw because if you notice the chainsaw supposed to hit a mark and it did hit the mark if you notice like Mm. he's putting his arm up to 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 top to hit the chainsaw and a spark comes out yeah because i think he's probably has like a metal plate or whatever yeah he he was wearing a few pads but again i don't know why 70s and 80s we were we were using live chainsaws because uh Mm -hmm. um Last House on the Left used a live chainsaw in their scene. I don't know if you know that. I didn't. Yeah, it was a live chainsaw on really? somebody's head. Yeah, the whole time. Yeah, just that. Did Leatherface use a live one? No, I don't know. I, I'll look into that. I'm sure he did. But knowing the the live chainsaw from Last House on the Left, that actually terrified me more than some of the movie did. But uh, let me just also finish with my last homage to Paul, the wholesome guy who... <sighs> Paul opens the door... Let's muffin in and Ginny gets grabbed by Jason. There's that white flash of an, a transition and we see Ginny being put in a stretch stretcher into an ambulance asking where Paul is. And we don't know where Paul is. My no. guess, Paul pulled Jason off of Ginny. They wrestled into the night forever and he saved Ginny and Paul Paul died because of it and Jenny gets put in the ambulance and that's how the movie ends again it's an Paul's character is another open-ended internet thing of like what happened because even in three we referenced the events of this film and we still don't know where Paul is technically so well Paul is 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 a great dude yeah, he's he, a good he, dude. He he ran a nice camp Pakanak uh and he got packing dead snacked oh well (laughs) (laughs) so that that's your that's your that's your uh what's the moral of the story okay the moral of the story is you can't do right by anybody even if you try to wrangle and or wrestle a serial killer three times you'll eventually get forgotten and we won't even see where you ended up and paul we miss you. We think of you. You ran a nice camp, but uh, at least you helped Ginny survive, who has remained a survivor. That's true. So thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> In memory of Paul. In memory episode. of Paul running the very nice camp and uh, apparently had a nice buffet, too, because people were getting seconds of desserts. And that was, you know, the 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 two, the couple that ran off. That yeah. was their... No seconds for dessert. Uh, oh, for that's them. right. Yeah, the desserts yeah. were great. That's right. There was there, that was Jeffrey and uh, Sandra's punishment. I would love to go to a camp that had dessert. I, I would love to go to a camp. Period. 
What what's your favorite summer dessert? Mm. A nice fruit cup. Okay. Yeah. Um my uh my in-laws were in town and uh, made a very cool uh fruit cup fruit ensemble mm-hmm. had uh apples, strawberries, uh blueberries and watermelon. Wow. Oh, it was so good. It's all the good fruits. Right? Yeah. A good crispy apple, let me just say slaps so freaking hard nothing pisses me off more notice what i said nothing pisses me off more than biting into a soggy ass apple i hate that shit who are you mad at at that point i'm I'm mad at red delicious because it's always that one a granny smith will stay crispy for years oh yeah but a red delicious you get it it you get it from ralph's you take it home it's already soggy by the time you put it on the counter that's all i'll say (laughs) beautiful (laughs) shout out to granny smith and fuji keeping it real oh yeah fiji i don't know the other one (laughs) (laughs) all right uh that's all we got for friday part two danny how many machetes do you give friday the 13th part two friday the 13th part two uh was a great installment uh good installment maybe not great good for mm-hmm. me and that will let me give it three and a half machetes three and a half okay um it's funny because this is such a great franchise we know all about the franchise but it's still finding its identity at this point and it hasn't found it yet. So my machete rating will be a three for Friday the 13th part two. Uh, Danny, you got anything else over there? Uh, no, no, All right. just, uh, you know, burlap sack. Jason has a place. Um, a lot of people have since said that, um, he's is one of the more menacing Jason's also our shortest. Oh, six uh, one. Yeah. Wow, what a shorty. I'm just saying, of all of our Jasons, I mean, we're, we're is taller than him, but that's all right. Yeah, I'm just saying. And that's wow, Kane Hodder is taller, is is, is over six one. Mm-hmm. How tall is Kane Hodder? I'm not sure, but I'll look it up when we get to Kane Hodder. When we get to Kane. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. So all right, join us next time for Friday the 13th, part three. Until next time, remember to lock your doors, bolt your windows, and Jason Mother is talking to you. Join us next time in our Slasher's Paradise. You're all doomed. Hey, did you hear anything you like? Thanks for listening to Slasher's Paradise tonight. Did you know that you can watch our podcast? Where? YouTube.com. If you go to YouTube.com, look up Slasher's Paradise, you'll find the Dead Candy page. And there you can see all of our podcasts, as well as a few shorts that Danny and I have put out. While you're there, please subscribe. And while you are listening here, go ahead and find yourself that rate and review button. Five stars is what we would love for you guys to give us. And you know what? If you can't think of anything to say in the review, why don't you go ahead and put some recommendations and or requests of horror movies that you would love for us to talk about. If you'd like to find out more information about Slasher's Paradise or Dead Candy, the producer of our show, you can head over to Facebook.com slash Dead Candy Fix. That's D-E-D Candy Fix. Here's to you guys. This is Slasher's Paradise. Sorry, I had to work that in. And I'm going to drink on that.